In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host Jack, and Jack has organised an awesome guest. Jack, do you want to introduce? Yeah, it doesn't get much better than this. For my birthday, Connor Rogers has agreed to come on. Um, Fantastic guest from Bleacher Report, does the awesome stick to um, football podcast. So, Connor, how are you? Good, guys. First off, happy birthday, and uh, I appreciate you having me on, guys. What's going on? Oh, no, it's awesome. Love um, the work you do. There's sort of three or four places out there that do fantastic like podcasts and draft coverage, and you're up there with the best. So, no, really, really good to have you on the show. Well, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Uh, it's going to be another fun draft season. I know we're really excited, me and Matt Miller. So, I think we got a lot to talk about. Usually more to talk about with the Browns, but <laughs> which is a good thing. It's a little more quiet this year heading into the draft. Yeah, so it's, it's an odd year for Browns fans. So it's our second of our um, rooms we're covering. We're doing the defensive line today, but we don't have the first pick. So there's many people out there going to ruin yep. who the Browns want, which we're not used to, um, especially in the last few years. So before we sort of go into who's going to be available there for the Browns at 17, who's going to be gone outside Nick Bosa by the time we pick? So I know fans will go, yeah, we'll have Nick Bosa. It's not going to be our time this year. So... Uh, Who's going to be gone by the time we get to 17? Well, I think two of the best guys in the draft that aren't named Nick Bosa will be Ed Oliver from Houston, a guy that has played everywhere. He's played shade nose. He's played, you know, nose tackle. He's played three tech. Can really do it all. I think in the NFL, he's going to see a lot of time at three tech and even five tech a little bit. Uh, when you look at this too, Quentin Williams, a guy that is going to be playing, you know, obviously has been a superstar, not just in the playoff, but all throughout his first year starting at Alabama. He's a top three player in this class. He's been virtually unblockable, whether it's the strength, power, explosiveness. Uh, you know, you talk to some people at Alabama, they believe he's actually still growing into that body, getting more muscle mass. He's still a young guy. So when you look at how dominant he can be and where we had him over summer, which was nowhere, he, like he even came out and said, I, I didn't even know if I was going to be a starter, to being probably the most dominant defensive player in college football, not named Josh Allen, who's been really good for Kentucky. The guy's been fantastic. So I think those two, it's very safe to assume they'll be off the board. Another versatile player in Rashawn Gary from Michigan, he declares early from the draft. They played him on the edge a lot. I do like him a little better on the interior at the next level. So I'm curious to see how NFL teams evaluate him. I don't think he makes it to 17. I think he's too athletic. I think teams value those guys that have a really high ceiling. And what we've seen at Michigan is an inconsistent player, but when he's on, when he's at his best, he has made offensive linemen look absolutely foolish. And I do think he's the type of player that's going to work hard enough to reach that ceiling, especially under an NFL coaching staff, an NFL strength program. So I think those are the guys that are locks to be gone. I think where it gets really interesting is after that because there's still so much potential starting talent that could be on the board in the middle of this round one at defensive line. No, it's, uh, it's weird sort of what a year does. So everyone was going, I don't want my team to draft Josh Allen. And now everyone this year is going, I want my team to draft Josh Allen. Which yeah, is right. <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> True. 
so sort of they're the players that are going to be gone. Who do you reckon sort of the best players that are going to be available sort of at D end and three tech for the Browns at 17? Yeah, I think in terms of pure talent at the three tech spot, it starts with Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State. Now he's really interesting because when you sit there and you look at a guy that's probably going to finish top 10 on my big board, you say, well, why would he be there at 17? Jeffrey Simmons, before he enrolled at Mississippi State, had an off-field incident. You can Google it. You can watch it. It's online. It's a video. It's an ugly video of him in an altercation with another woman that does get physical. Teams are going to want to sit down and talk to Jeffrey Simmons and find out the background of the story. And there's not to say there's any excuse for that story, but there's rumors of family members being involved or defending family members. And at the end of the day, this was a while ago where you're going to get a second chance in the NFL. We've seen Tyree Kill get a significant second chance. We've seen Joe Mixon get a significant second chance. So, and Joe Mixon was drafted in the second round. It's not like he was a flyer on day three. Jeffrey Simmons has done and said all the right things since being at Mississippi State, and people there will vouch for him, and that's going to matter to NFL teams. Now, this is where it gets interesting. On the field, at 17, he's incredible value. He's strong. He can rush the passer, which – when you're that big and you play on the inside and you can get after the quarterback, it's a difference maker. It really is. We saw, I mean, even a couple of years ago, that was Sheldon Richardson's bread and butter at Missouri coming out of school. And then you look at him and you say, okay, well, like we didn't hear a ton about him. And then he ends up going in the top 15 picks, how that happens. Because a guy can get after the passer from the interior. And I think Jeffrey Simmons is going to be the very same way. So you look at other guys there at that 17th overall spot, somebody who's been on an absolute slide from hell. And I think he actually would be better all the way inside as a nose tackle, but could see some time at three tech It is Dexter Lawrence. He's suspended. Hasn't been playing in the college football playoff. Not great when you can't pass those kind of tests, but you know, how reliable of a player are you? Is he going to officially declare now the ceiling though, for this guy, it's another player where you look at it coming into things and he was projected as a top 10 pick. Now, he's not going to be that anymore. That I can guarantee. But are there teams still willing in the top 20 that will sit there and say, hey, we can mold this guy, we can get his head on right? So I think when you look at those two players, talent is in a, it's an abundance. There's an abundance of talent. The question is, are teams willing to work with their own issues, which are, are two very different things? And it's going to become a fascinating choice for the Browns. I would say the third guy kind of in that group, and he's another guy that's fallen a little bit, Raekwon Davis, who plays next to Quinn and Williams at Alabama, long disruptive. He's about six foot seven. I mean, you have that kind of length. It's absolutely insane. He's another guy where he's going to be in between the Browns' first-round pick and the second-round pick. That's how broad his range is right now. So I don't think he was the top-ten player a lot of people wanted him to be. Quinn and Williams has taken that title away from him, but he's still going to be a top-50 pick. Uh, one name I've heard is Florida D end. Is it Jackie Polite? A Jakai. Jakai. Uh, what do you think of him? He's the name sort of Browns fans have been throwing around. Yeah, pure edge pass rusher. If you're looking to get help across the edge there from Miles Garrett, if you want, if you're looking for a guy that will kick all the way outside, that's your guy, Jakai Polite. Very comparable to Melvin Ingram, who's looked pretty good in the playoffs right now for the Chargers. Flight's a guy that was weighing 265 early on in his career at Florida and did play three-tech. Hated it. Wasn't as great at it as you wanted him to be. He cuts 20 pounds. He goes down to 245. Now he's explosive. He's quick. He's got the entire pass rush skill set, whether it's bend, dip, turn, rip, spin, swim. You name it, the guy can do just about everything, especially with that lethal first step. So if you're looking for a true edge pass rush threat after Nick Bosa, Polite's going to be in the conversation with the Cleveland Farrells, with the Josh Allens, with the Brian Burns of the world. 
Yeah, the guy that uh, came up, obviously, Ohio State, is uh, Dermon Jones. Jones, do you think he's going to yep. be there? Yeah, Draymond Jones. I think he's somebody that can be a little undisciplined at times. He gets a little crazy against the run. But once again, this goes back to what I was telling you guys. When you can rush the passer from the interior, it changes the entire game. And that's what Draymond Jones does. He's a guy that will shoot gaps. He's a guy that will win with length. Uh, he can really swim over the top of offensive linemen. Or, and he's a guy that, it, once again, is he going to be the most reliable run stopper? He's not going to be on the field for 90% of the snaps as a rookie right away. He's probably going to be on the field as a pass rush specialist. But that can still see you hear your name called off the board in the top two rounds. I don't think he'll be a first-round pick, but I do believe he'll be a top 60 pick. So sort of the Browns in the second round, any sort of names sort of stand out? And I know it's really early to start sort of saying – who's going to be there in the second round, sort of pre-combine, pre-everything else. But any sort of early names you'd say, what's that going to be around the 50? Um, yeah, I, I think there's plenty of names. I think it really comes down to how far do some of these guys slide. When you look at Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame, he was dominant in his final year there. He's another guy that size. I mean, when you're built that big, they were waiting for this guy. Since he stepped on campus, they were like, this is the guy. And in four-sack performance against Stanford, when you can do that against that kind of program, you look at it and say, this guy can play at the next level. And I got to see him in person against Syracuse. Same thing. Long arms to disrupt the passing lanes. A lot of power. He can play all over the defensive line, so I like him there a lot. Christian Wilkins from Clemson is the wild card to me because I think in a weaker defensive line class, he's a first-round lock. This class is so strong that they look at a senior player and say, okay, he's a very reliable run stopper. He does bring a high motor against the, you know, to rush the passer probably more of a top 50 pick. So if he can slide a little bit, that's the value play for the Browns because he's a plug-and-play starter right away. The team captain kind of guy has won championships, went back to school to win another one that, you know, we're going to find out soon here. So when it comes down to it, this goes to show you the kind of talent it packed into this defensive line group that can pull down the board. Oh, fantastic. Sort of um, round, round three, anything a, a bit deeper into the draft? Yeah, I mean, two guys that come to mind here, and they could sneak into round two. They can fall to round four. So we'll just talk about them right in round three. I think Gerald Willis from Miami, somebody that had some problems early on at school and ended up transferring to Miami to clean all that up. Rumors of a fight with a lot, you know, a teammate and, and problems in the locker room. He's going to be at the Senior Bowl now, so he gets to answer a lot of those questions, which is very important for him. I got to see him live down against Florida State, and he's the real deal. He's disruptive. He's strong. He can hold, you know, hold blockers. He can take on double teams. The question is, has he answered all those off-field problems that have plagued his past? So I think a guy like that in a very talented defensive line class might maybe falls down to the third round, and that could be a value play there. Another one for me that doesn't really get a lot of love is Isaiah Bugs on Alabama because he's the third guy. We talked about Quentin Williams in the top five. We talked about Raekwon Davis in the first round, maybe early second round. Isaiah Bugs is the third guy that rotates in and looks phenomenal. So where does this guy go? That's how loaded Alabama is, is that their third defensive lineman shouldn't make it past the third round. He might even go in the second round. He's a phenomenal run stopper. He, you know, he's all power against the pass, you know, to rush the passer, a bull, a bull rush kind of guy, but that still brings something to the table. So once again, guys, I mean, these names you're hearing, when you turn on the film and you hear a third round and you watch him, you go, this looks like a first-round guy. That's how loaded and special this defensive line class really is. Fantastic. So is there any sort of names that have jumped out to you early, sort of them day three picks? Everyone sort of comes up with a couple of names through the draft process that they sort of get a day three crush that they uh, really like. Have you sort of spotted anyone yet that sort of oh, maybe missing things or... 
Yeah, no, no doubt. I think an interesting guy to me is Ren, Ren, well, Ren from Arizona State. He's one of those guys that before the season starts, one thing I always do is I go through what Bruce Feldman calls his freaks list. I basically do the same thing and figure out who's the most athletic players in the country, whether it's strength, whether it's explosiveness, whether it's just, you know, stuff they're doing in their workouts that no one else is doing. And can we find a way to make that translate onto the field? This was one of those guys, just absolute freakish strength, is superb at the deadlift, that kind of raw power. When you pack that kind of raw power, you go, why is this guy playing in the Pac-12 for Arizona State? And, and you can get more out of this guy. And I think Arizona State under Herm Edwards actually had a really nice year. This is kind of the prospect you're looking for down the line here. I think he's somebody that he might fall into day three. You never know. It'll be interesting to get more buzz about him from the NFL scouts and how they value him. When you look at all these SEC and ACC kind of defensive linemen we've talked about, they're getting all the love because of those conferences they play in. So I can see someone like him falling down the board and where it gets real interesting. At the end of the day, there's going to be value here. I think the sweet spot of this defensive line class is in rounds two and three because I think you're getting potential round one guys that lay down the board, and you might not want to risk it by waiting into day three. All right, fantastic. Thank you for that sort of oversight of the D-line. So now looking overall, the, the whole of the draft, it's really early sort of mock draft people. If you had to make a prediction now, who do the Browns end up with in rounds one and rounds two? Yeah, for me, when it comes down to it, I've been saying round one for them, and this is when they were losing more games. They started to fall back a little bit. They might miss out on this guy, but it's why I talked about Jeffrey Simmons for so long. I think John Dorsey will, you know, roll the dice on this kind of guy. He's not scared to do that. He has no problem doing that when you look at it. So it, when it comes down to it, he will take the chance and he'll, say, he'll listen to the guy and say, you know what, he, look, Antonio Callaway has been there. Yes, they gave up on Josh Gordon, but that was years and years of that going on. It's a different situation to move on from him. So I think when it comes down to it, I think Jeffrey Simmons is a perfect fit in Cleveland where three years down the road, you might say that guy was a top 10 player in the class. And why didn't anyone else take those chances? it's tough to do that because it's a hard PR hit as the guy making those picks to take on character players, players with character issues. But if somebody is going to do it, it's going to be John Dorsey. And this is, there's a reason we're having this conversation, guys. The Browns do need another piece up front. They need that piece. You have Miles Garrett, you have Ogan Joby. They have really nice players in the front. I think even when you look at uh, Jannard Avery is another value pick. Like they're making a lot of right picks up in the front seven, but you still need one more impact piece to dominate the trenches in the NFL. That would be it for me. Where it gets interesting in round two is, what is this coaching staff going to look like? I mean, we need some answers here. Is Freddie Kitchens going to stay? Is Greg Williams going to stay? If Greg Williams stays, this is a team that will take corners all day. He'll want to load up on cornerbacks over and over again. And that's where, to me, a guy like Julian Love might fall into the mix here. Maybe Trayvon Mullen from Clemson, a long physical corner. That's the profile he likes. Denzel Ward might have been a shorter kind of corner, but he's feisty, he's physical, he's nasty. He can play in man coverage, he's fluid hips. That's the kind of guy Greg Williams is going to want. So if Greg Williams is there, let's just say he does stay. Whether it's as D.C., I don't think it'll be as head coach. This is a team that's always going to look to load up up front to get after the quarterback. Jeffrey Simmons right there with all those talented guys you got. And then you grab a corner on the back end to load up on the secondary and fill that out. I think that would be perfect for Cleveland. They got the juice on offense. They might want another wide receiver, but Baker Mayfield's going to do the right thing for them. Nick Chubb can easily be a top 10 running back in the league. I have no fear of that. I, once again, I do think they'll look at wide receiver, but it all depends on who's calling the shots. No, thank you. It's been such a good overview. Have you got any more questions, Paul? 
Yeah, just a cheeky question. Do you think uh, Dexter Lawrence would make it down to a round two? Could the Browns pick him up? I definitely think there's a chance. I think if failing these, if whether it was drug tests or, you know, the schools are very hush-hush with these kind of things. The bottom line is he hasn't taken the jumps on the field to be a top 10 player that a lot of people thought he would be. And he's taken step backs, uh, you know, off the field. And when those two things combine, that's how round one players fall to round two. So, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Please no plug your stuff if people aren't uh, listening to it. Let everyone know where to find you. Yeah, of course, on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers, uh, Bleacher Report, Stick Football Podcast, and my co host, Matt Miller. We cover the draft basically all year round, but now, you know, three shows a week. It's been a lot of fun, and it's only going to pick up from here. But uh, happy birthday. And, you know, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it. No, thank you very much. It's a really, really fun podcast to listen to. Um, jump on there. It's, uh, there's a lot of talk of The Bachelor, which just the most of that flies over my head. It's but crazy. The rest of it, <laughs> I get. <laughs> yeah, without and, a doubt. And, Connor, when are you going to come and visit us in London? Uh, hopefully this summer. I need to make my way out there. I need some good beer and I need some good times and, you know, just a little break on a, on a nice trip. Well, we're very offended. You came to Europe last year. You went to Amsterdam, right, Belgium, and you didn't come to London. <laughs> yeah, I had some friends I had to promise to see first, but now that you guys are my friends, uh, I-, I think I'm going to have to find my way out there. We'll All see right. you in the summer. All right, see you guys. Take care.